Hello, and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelong Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fey encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, and, and all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Hello, humans. Oh my God, we're back again with part two of my interview with Andy Hopkins, spiritualist medium, paranormal investigator, and author of the books, The Haunting on Park Road, which came out in February of 2021, and the second part of that story, the next chapter after Park Road, which comes out June 2021, which is now. So it is available now. I double-checked, and you can purchase his second book and his first book, for that matter, if you haven't yet, on Amazon today. I'm almost finished reading his first book, and I will tell you, it is a doozy. It's just one insane ghost story after the next, and it can really make your head spin. I'm already trying to piece together a screenplay in my mind. I'm serious. Who wants to make a horror film? Come on. I always think about that when I read really good books. I'm like, how could you translate this to a movie? I've worked in film for a while. I love film. I don't even love horror films, but I just think some of these stories that I'm hearing and some of these books that I get to read because of this podcast are making me think within the next couple of years, I'm going to be making a horror film. If you haven't listened to part one of this interview, I recommend you go back and do that. In this episode, we start with why Andy and his family left the haunted house so abruptly. After years of horrifyingly scary experiences, I want to know, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? After all those years, what got them to leave? So that's where we're starting. We also talk about two bizarre experiences that include the paranormal and Andy's TV, which will maybe make you never want to watch TV alone in the dark again. And we also discuss how he transitioned from being a kid who had loads of spirit contact to a medium and paranormal investigator shortly after high school. Again, here's another example of the paranormal choosing someone. It's like this becomes your career because of the experiences that you've had. I also poked around to see if I could get some sneak peeks from the new book, and they include demons and black-eyed children. My favorite. Okay? Let's do this. I want to go back to you said you suddenly moved from the house. Oh, yes. (laughs) So because I want to start talking a little bit about your paranormal investigations and how what you experienced in that house translated into you becoming or identifying as a medium and making that your life. But I also want to know before that, I kind of want to wrap up. How did you get out of that house and why did you suddenly leave? Well, things were getting a bit more intense. You know, my mom was starting to notice a lot more things, a lot more bangs. And the thing is when spirit energy and nasty energies get more intense they can affect us they can make us feel depressed they can make us feel low i remember my mom crying a lot and arguing a lot with my stepdad 
and literally I remember one day sort of saying I'm fed up with this and I'm going to live with my grandma you know and I didn't but it was kind of I was trying to shock them a little bit I remember sitting down this night before we moved out pretty much and I was talking to my stepdad he'd had a few beers you know and he was a little bit pickled and he sort of said do you really believe in all this ghost shit then and I sort of just looked at him I was really taken back I went oh yeah you know and he was like Come on, then, if there's somebody here, make a noise, do something. And immediately the room went cold. And like it just got goosebumps now, actually. The room just went cold and we heard like this door creaking. His face is just dropped. And uh, I was just watching comedy on the telly. And when the room went cold, the light flickered. And he just it, it, it normalised. And it was okay, and he sort of passed it off. And he sort of went off into the other room, and the telly started to go static. It was a tube TV back in the day, you know, big fat TVs. And the TV started to crackle and and started to go a bit distorted. And the characters that I was watching on the film just sort of started going like that, really weird. I I was sort of blinking, rubbing my eyes. And it was around Christmas, this was, because I decorated the Christmas tree and, and the top of the telly. And before you knew it, the, the TV just went set on fire, fire on top of the TV. And I freaked out, shouted for my stepdad, and he came running in, putting the fire out with a towel. And I was just sort of crying and, and I was just shaking. And he looked at me and he, he gave me a hug. And we were never that close, like at the time. And like it opened the windows and stuff, but it wasn't just like fire. It looked like something out of Harry Potter because it raised up straight along the roof. And I just screamed and we sat down and, and sort of waited a little bit. I calmed down. He just goes, do you want a cup of tea? <laughs> just the most British thing you could do is, do you want a cup of tea? You know, and, oh, we just sort of sat there drinking this cup of tea. And uh, went to bed. We didn't really talk a lot about it. He passed away in December of COVID, actually, my stepdad, bless him. We spoke about it when he was drunk after this. You know, we we did have the odd conversation about it. But yeah, so I went off to bed straight to sleep. I think the adrenaline had rushed out my body. And I came back downstairs the next morning and there were boxes. And my mum went, we're moving out. That was it? Was that, yeah. That was the straw that broke the the camel's back. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. The icing on the cake, that was. I'll tell you another event that happened. I I used to be a big fan of Friends when I was younger. And on a Friday night, I'd sleep on the sofa because things had calmed down a little bit at this point. It must have been about 12-ish around there. And I was lying on the sofa watching Friends and all the faces went funny. And I thought I was sort of falling asleep because it was about one, two in the morning. And I thought, what's happening there? The TV started making that same sound. And the TV flicked off and two hands came out the TV like that. And I thought, I told myself, because I I sort of sat upright and I told myself I'd fallen asleep. The good thing about the tube TVs is how much dust they used to collect. And there was just these two handprints on the the screen of the TV. I think that event was one of those when George, this spirit, was just sort of saying, I'm still here, you know. It didn't have the energy to do anything huge like it did do after that. But I think that was it sort of saying, I'm still here and don't get too comfy. Yeah. So you suddenly move out of the house. You go to this place that's like pristine and it doesn't have the same vibes. And, you know, you're talking about how you're now currently and have been for some time doing paranormal investigations. You're the lead 
medium on these ghost hunts. You're doing past life regressions. And I believe on the preliminary call, you said you wanted to be an actor. <laughs> when and I was younger, yes. When you were younger. <laughs> I could imagine myself being Harrison Ford. I wanted to be the adventurer, the Indiana Jones, the guy that got the girl at the end. That was my ideal. And that's the way I probably would have headed. If it wasn't for the the spooky shit that happened. When you graduated high school, let's say, did you immediately start getting into paranormal stuff? I read a lot. I read a lot of books. Um, I used to love the library because the paranormal section was right at the back of the library near like the glass rooms where you've got all the big old fashioned volumes. And I used to sort of read a lot in there. I'd, I'd read a lot on witchcraft and old energies. And what sort of really changed was I met about three maybe four people that didn't call me crazy and that kind of agreed with me that there was something there. But I met the right people. I started going to a development workshop and and visiting spiritualist churches and seeing mediums and thinking, well, hang on, they're telling me things like that that I've done and that I can see. And I'd take notes. I just kind of followed what other people had done and followed how other people worked. And I'd test myself. I'd be on the bus into the city or something i'd sort of focus my energy on somebody i'd think right okay what can i see and i wouldn't question it i wouldn't have to go up to somebody and say okay i've got this person with you you know but it would test myself and i'd just do that all the time and i'd just get more and more fluent at it and before you know it i was feeling things that i shouldn't have been feeling and that sounds a bit dodgy you know what i mean um <laughs> i was I'd, i was just getting these voices and getting these feelings wherever I'd go and I just I knew it was meant to be I knew that I'd get there and I didn't just stick to one kind of way of working I I think that the way we find our true spiritual selves is by trying out different patterns and finding what works best for us you know some mediums they're strict vegetarian they won't drink they won't have coffee and I thought well I I like a beer and I like coffee so I'm not going to do like that and it didn't affect my abilities I remember my very first public demonstration and it was with a a lady called Tracy and she was kind of running this psychic event and she went do you want to meditate with me I said I'd rather have a shot and I had a shot of bourbon and you know what it didn't affect me at all that became kind of my thing for a while I'd have a shot before every event that I did my deepest curiosity I'll say about this progression of your life is how do you go from I am the one who's experiencing the most things in this house I'm seeing spirits I'm feeling them literally I'm being picked up by them how long did it take you to get to the point where you were like okay I feel comfortable picking up energies for other people and seeing things about their lives and being able to directly contact somebody that's trying to get in contact I mean was there any imposter syndrome well I've been kind of investigating local places that are apparently haunted and, and kind of spending time in like woodland areas and stuff because you get kind of the earth energies and natural spirits that that belong in like woodland areas you know tree spirits and, and things like that but the more I did it the more I'd get comfy I, I still kind of lacked that confidence just to go up to somebody and say right okay I'm, I'm picking up on this person with you the time where I said to myself right you are a medium it was one of the first groups that I went to one of the first development groups I'd never given or phrased a message to anybody properly before but I, I was drawn to this lady and this guy walked me through it and I said okay so there's a guy with you and I described this guy in my mind I was thinking am I making this up is this just something I'm seeing and she was doing this just sort of looking right at me like proper eye contact sort of just doing this and 
I think I, I gave her a song or I said, he's singing this song and she burst out crying. And I thought, okay. And apparently it was her, her dad that, or, or her granddad that, that used to sing this song to her. And apparently I described him to a T. It's like anything, you know, as soon as you realise you've done it and it, it's done well, that gives you that confidence boost. Then you sort of like, okay, well, I'm going to feed on this. And you just kept trying and trying and trying. Doing a spiritual reading is far different than just doing a tarot reading. You know, I've been doing tarot since I was about 13. That's probably the turning point when I classed myself as a medium. And from there, I'd go to this group all the time and I, I'd carry on doing the stuff that I was doing already. And my life kind of just started going whoosh, right rolling and rolling and just carrying on you just kept following your curiosity and that led you to where you needed to go yeah absolutely when did paranormal investigations start i mean technically you were kind of doing them accidentally i was kind of doing them already they started really early (laughs) for me you know the investigations on different places and i had to take my pendulum around with me you know so those investigations started pretty early the public events started when I was possibly about 24 and it was with the development group that I was with the very first event that I went kind of public event I went on I paid to go on this event as a guest and somebody had let them down so they went oh you know what you're doing and I was like whoa do I (laughs) and um, the guy's name was James I still talk to him now bless him I remember after the event he sort of came up to me went do you want to do this then and I was like yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, and I do them every week in different places. There's a Salutation Inn in Nottingham, which has got the caves underneath. We do events there. The Moat House, oh, it was just old haunted railway stations, anywhere and everything. I was just on it. You know, how many people can say they love their job? <laughs> you know? uh, very, very few, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you said you've done over a thousand investigations, yes. which yes. is mind blowing. <laughs> And do you think now, because you have so many under your belt, that you could walk into a place and be like, this is bullshit. This house is not haunted. Something else is going on here. Absolutely. Part of that is what I do. I went to a house a couple of weeks ago and they suspected there was something demonic there. I went into the house. It was just somebody trying to get a message through. There was nothing demonic. If somebody messages me about a haunted house, I'll ask them what's happening. I'm not one of those people that will say, oh, You've got Satan's under your doorstep. I'd say I could walk into a house or if I go somewhere for a read and I'll immediately know if that house is haunted and what's there. But I find most places can be haunted, to be honest. I class something such as a poltergeist as demonic because it's something physical. I believe a poltergeist and a demon is something that's not spirit. It is something older, something that is an energy that that was never human. It's an energy that was here long before us, and it's something that we don't quite understand. Uh, Whether that is that they come from a different realm, but I feel that they were never human. So, and these things have stronger abilities, stronger power. They can hold things. They can physically hurt. They can cause a lot more trouble than just a spirit. They can throw things or, or do things like that if the energy is right, but it's rare. So in the case with the dude who picked you up, George, he was a human, but he was just kind of in like a really, really high energetic portal spot. He was using a lot more energy. He was not only was he using kind of the anxieties and the negatives in the house. He was using the, the energy from the earth. And he was just using that to his advantage, you know. Negative energies love fear. They feed off fear like I feed off coffee. Yeah, I keep Um, hearing that. Fear is fuel. Yes, absolutely. Have you ever tried to talk with a demon before? 
Yes. A friend of mine, her sister had just had a kid. And since they've been home after having this kid, their house had felt off. So I was like, okay, well, it's probably just the energy settling down. You know, I didn't just run straight ahead and say, there's demons there. You know, it was nothing like that. I said, give it a little bit, let the kids settle down. Things will probably be okay. About a month later on, she contacted me and said, okay, now the kid's waking up, but this time every night screaming. And there's like stupid things like the toys going off on their own, books falling off the shelves, and they're hearing stomping and stuff like that. So I said, okay, we'll go and have a look. I remember walking into this house. It was a nice house. It was a four-bedroom house, probably about 30 minutes from where I live now. And I walked in the house, and immediately the, the stairwell was sort of in front of me on my left. And I just looked up the stairs, and I just saw this shadow, and it just vanished like that. And I thought, okay, that's something physical. I physically saw that. I know it's not just their imagination. So they sort of let me out of the room of the house. I went upstairs, and it was cold. I did shiver. I went into the kids' room and it felt fuzzy, very strange. The, the walls sort of felt staticky in there and could have been a portal. You know, that's kind of the sense of it, but it did feel weird. And the door started to close behind me. And, and whenever something like this happens, I want to disprove it because it could be the hinges. It could be this, it could be that. So, yeah, I sort of tested the door and it was quite a heavy one. It was it had the thick carpet on the floor, so it shouldn't have just moved. I did a house cleansing, which, you know, we use you sage and you say some incantations and it clears up. So I thought that was going to be the end of it. About two days later, they said things have got worse. So I said, right, what's happened now? And they, they said about the door slamming, like properly slamming this time, not just closing. And I thought, well, okay, it was worth having a go. So I walked in the house again. I was, I was in a bad mood to be quite honest. I was going on holiday the next day. So I walked in the house and I went, you better cough because I'm going on holiday tomorrow. And I just heard this slam. And I thought, oh, brilliant. Something to tackle, you know. And I salted the house. I used garlic salt and I used silver shaving, a whole manner of kind of different bits that I found effective against more demonic energies. But I went to go up into the attic because it was the last room that I was going to cleanse and block. And I lifted the hatch up and it just slammed down onto my hand. Ah. Yeah, hurt. It took me and the dad about a good minute or so to get the hatch back up and open and uh, but after i cleansed it there that was clear it was gone you so, did try to talk with it i did or? yeah i used a frank's box all i'd get is like muffled noises i couldn't hear like when i'm connecting to other spirits they give me images or they speak or i hear something that makes sense to me but this was just like a muffled sound and i'd, I'd just see shadows and swirling colors and, and it would make no sense so we used a frank's box and there was growling over the Frank's box. There was weird languages over the Frank's box. And I thought that was, in my opinion, that was proof. A skeptic would say, oh, it's just picking up a frequency from somewhere else or it's just interference. But you can tell when something's genuinely coming through those boxes. You can tell something's actually there rather than it just being like one of these silly apps that you can get for your phone. Have you ever gotten a response from a demon that came through as English? Or was it always sounds or some kind of growling or garbled gibberish? I've never been able to make the sense of it or how I do when I'm communicating with spirit. Just the energy that it gives. And if I can ever make kind of physical contact, I always get shown just these swirling lights. You know, when you close your eyes really hard and put pressure on your eyes. It's almost like that's what I see. Mm. And... 
I think in a way that is them trying to communicate, but it doesn't make any sense to me. It's not something that I understand, so I can't work with that, you know? Demons can be put in a category that's kind of a little out there for some, a lot out there for many. And all of this is actually, but I I like demons to be the segue because that is sort of a bridge to these other areas, aliens, cryptids, fairies. I feel like demon kind of goes in there. I have found in a lot of cases, cryptid people only believe in cryptid stuff. Same with the alien people. They won't even cross over into ghosts. It's like they're factioning themselves off. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that? I think demonic energies are in the same kind of category as your fairies, your griffins, you know, all that kind of thing. I think that, well, it kind of makes sense because a demon wasn't a human. It's not something that was ever human. And you get something like legends of fairies and jinns and stuff like that, and they weren't human. So why should there be such a separation? Now, I believe in that kind of thing. I spoke to somebody on an internet radio station in the states crikey two three months ago and this guy phoned in he'd been stationed in iraq he was in the military and he spoke of giants that he had seen recently he'd seen he'd seen giants yeah he'd come back off tour and he was a fan of the show and he'd seen giants to me that's somebody who's trained not to talk shit that's somebody yeah. who is supposed to be the best of the best and all this kind of malarkey, but he openly admitted to seeing them. That's something I think is brilliant, you know? I believe in it. I do. And I think that there is a heck of a lot more in the world than we acknowledge. Just because we can't see something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Agreed. I've actually heard about people in the military having paranormal experiences and yeah. experiencing things that sound to me a lot like the Fae in their descriptions. But, you know, like you said, I kind of think think of it as like a smorgasbord of the yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I find that fascinating. The fact that military on tour are experiencing yeah. that. I would say most of them probably just don't talk about it. Yeah. I think they're told not to. Or again, similar to me, how I didn't talk about things at Paul Rose because people are afraid that they're going to call them crazy or stupid, you know? And yeah. you think in that kind of situation, if you're in an establishment that can't be seen as crazy or as taboo, there's going to be pressure on them. Right. I know you saw that, but you can't tell anybody. Yeah. You know? I think that a lot of us have secrets about things that have happened or we just we push them down so far that we can't remember them at all. And it's not even a reality for us. So The Haunting on Park Road, it's available now. Mm -hmm. And then what is the new book called or are we not allowed to hear it it yet? Yeah, yeah. It's the, the next chapter after Park Road. It's on my Facebook page at the moment. The cover is out. (laughs) exciting times yeah the first book is all about the experiences that happened at Park Road there's all the bigger things that we've spoken about how I first started seeing the spirit recorders George so there's plenty to read in there it came out on Valentine's Day my second book actually is uh, coming out by next month but yeah the second book is all about what happened after basically when I saw one of the black-eyed children if you have a look at the cover you'll see about the black-eyed child because there's a picture on the front of the book can you give us a sneak peek well there's an area um, quite close to mine, the new house that I lived in and I'd heard about a particular legend in this wooded area and this nature area so I thought well okay let's go and investigate let's have a little look and I was bored and at that age and at that kind of mindset it was never good for me to be bored because 
it just gave me crazy ideas about going out to look for ghosts. But uh, I, I just went out. I'd been let down by my friend who was supposed to be coming with me. So I just went on my own. I can't tell you all of it, but I was sitting there and then I looked across the lake and there was this little girl and she just sort of smiled at me and she looked up just pure black in the eyes i don't know what the hell that was it was more than spirit again that would be class more demonic to me what the fuck yes there was this woman behind this girl as well and she was just sort of like a glimmer of of almost like something that was drawn to this black-eyed child's energy because she'd just float towards you and she was oh just scary absolutely scary i ran through the woods and i could hear them following me and i could see oh no not a nice experience um andy how do you sleep at night Uh, well, the flat is protected. You know, the place that I live is, is pretty well guarded by certain incantations and charms that are around the place. doesn't block everything out. For example, about a year after we moved in, me and my girlfriend were watching TV and we just turned it off. And from behind the sofa, somebody said, Daddy. Oh. And we just sort of looked at each other as we said, did you hear that? I have a routine of kicking any spirit out that come through while I'm trying to sleep, you know. I feel sorry for my girlfriend because she does say that sometimes I'll go into a trance like stay and I'll talk, but normally she just tries to kick me or something, so it backs off. But to be quite fair, I sleep pretty well <laughs> when I do sleep. I like my late nights and early mornings. I don't rely on a lot of sleep, but um, I do sleep pretty well. That's incredible. It's something that's been going on for so long and your mind just sort of recognises when there's something to worry about and, and if there's not, it just sort of goes, no, it's just somebody else. I don't know what it is specifically about black eyed children, but that's the point where I'm like, oh, hell no. Like, yeah. nope. Mm-mm. I, like, I, can't. I tell you what, kids spirits freak the shit out of me. I'm yes. not going to lie. One of the first events we did, uh, public events, it was in this old courthouse and it was such an old building that it was all heated by a fire and a fan uh, in the basement and it would come through all the pipes like that. And uh, I was there with one of the other mediums there and the floor, like the ceiling, it was probably about maybe a metre Hi, so we had to crawl under to go down this tunnel. And I just sort of looked at him and he looked at me because we both picked up on the same sort of thing. We looked forward and there's this little boy sitting there like this. And I stood up. I'm six foot, cracked my head on this ceiling. But we both screamed like girls, I tell you, because it was just there. And this little boy had a little cap on and he was just filthy. And as soon as we screamed and I cracked my head, he just vanished. Wow. What is it with children? It's like they're not supposed to be scary, I guess. They're not. And, you know, honestly, I think a lot of it is the movies that we watch. You know, it's pop culture. You see in these movies, I've got to say, little girls especially, and they shouldn't look scary, but they make them scary. And I blame too many ghost hunts and movies. Although, yeah, I'm still after a, a film that really scares me. What's the scariest movie you've ever seen? I, I really can't place it. I really can't. Nothing. Not even. No, I mean... Nothing. It's not scary. You know, none of the Stephen King movies. I'm wanting one to scare me. I'm wanting one that I'm thinking when I'm trying to get to sleep, you know, oh, I hope this thing doesn't get me. You know, I, I want something like it. 
And what's the scariest film you've seen? The Exorcist, I think. Yeah. Well, I watched it when I was really young and that was the yeah. problem. And so it's sort of seared in my mind. Yeah. And it, it might not be that scary now, but I won't even watch it again. Like, fuck that movie. Yeah. When I was young, I watched The Terminator and that freaked me out as a kid. <laughs> but where he's all melted me sort of doing this, you know, coming yeah. out of the machinery, that freaked me out as a kid. But no, it's, I'd love to find a film that scares me. So I'd love to go to, to China or Japan. I think they've got a lot more demonic energies over there as well. You know, they've got a lot of history around there. Is it in China, the suicide forest? I'm not sure. But I think certain things that I've heard about that place, I'd love to just see what's happening. It is in Japan. Mm, I'm going to look that up. Yes, the Sea of Trees. I think that there's more than just lost souls and spirit there. I think that's something old, something demonic there, and something that draws you in and kind of causes that kind of thing. It's not just people thinking they're trendy when they're killing themselves out there. I think it's something more, something old. Yeah, energy is being able to pull you to do something you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. I have to say, that's up there with the creepy children. <laughs> See, I do transmediumship, so I kind of get spirit to speak through me, but it's not like you see in the movies. I don't all of a sudden start going, like, sound like Gollum or something, you know. You have to give permission for spirit to kind of speak through you, and you're always aware of what you're saying. It depends on how deep you go into it. I was at a private ghost hunt at an old schoolhouse, and it was just team there. And I remember one of the teams, she, she was saying, oh, go on, push yourself and you push yourself so I thought okay well I'm always wearing this energy and I sort of sat there and I remember feeling like somebody had held me like this I could move you know it wasn't like um when George was on me I, I could feel this energy surround me and this spirit energy surround me and I felt my chest tight and I felt this like grotty chest and kind of picking up bits of what this energy was doing and he really didn't like this team member this spirit didn't and she was she was trying to goad him and I thought well I'm just going to let him speak and and I, I called her a silly girl or something and she went oh yeah who are you talking to and I just felt this rush come through me and I just screamed you at her and I opened my eyes straight away because I realised that I'd sort of just let this out and she was at the other side of the room <laughs> like it had scared her so much and we always wind up about it. We write on our car window, you, because it scared us so much. <laughs> but uh, transmediumship can be scary. But again, you have to have control of it. I wouldn't advise any new person to spiritual awareness to do it. I'd advise somebody to know what they're doing, be confident when it comes to telling spirit. No, if I don't want to talk to a spirit, I, I won't talk to them. And if they try and persist, then I really push them out. How do you differentiate being a psychic? And being a medium or do you not i know some people don't and do you yeah. identify as one or both i don't think there's any difference to be quite fair i think it's just it's like tomato tomato you know it's like calling chips fries it's just one of the same thing i reckon i find that people in the states from the times i've spoken they're more psychics than mediums over here a lot of people will say they're spiritualist mediums rather than a psychic medium but there's no real difference you both do the same kind of thing it's a different brand that's all it's how we connect like some med mediums will be clairvoyant so they'll see things you know some people will hear things more some people will just get clairsentient so they'll just sort of feel things rather than seeing things or hearing things but sometimes you just use everything you know use all you can so there's no difference in what they are it's just about how they work really i've heard people say okay 
Well, a psychic is going to give you a reading on if there's any red flags in your life and maybe if you're on a good path or a bad path. And then a medium talks to the dead. You know, sometimes I find it really divided like that. Obviously, you have communication with the dead. Mm -hmm. Do you also help people with sort of their just general life path? Yeah, Yeah. a lot of people I read for want a reading, but they don't want to know who's with them. Because the most common thing I get is, oh, if this bloke's here, do they watch me in the shower? Or, you know, do they watch me when I'm up to something with a partner, you know? And it's like, well, would they have done that when you're alive? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yes, I, I do. And to be quite fair, a lot of the time it, it can be quite nice just to talk to somebody and try and guide them on their path rather than speaking to, you know, connecting to all the spirit ages. Because to be fair, it can get knackering, you know, you can really, it can really tire you out. I, I do say, for example, I was working this morning from about eight o'clock to about 12 o'clock and I must have done about nine readings. And after that, I was just sort of thinking, oh, crikey, you know, so it can get tiring. If I'm doing just tarot, for example, or if I'm guiding somebody just on the path that my guides are, are picking up from them, it's easier. It's not as tiring. And, and sometimes it's nice just to do that. I think every medium or every psychic has something they really love to do. And, and tarot reading is one of my favorite things that I do, you know, when it comes to readings, otherwise it's, it's working in house clearances and, you know, really kind of getting down and dirty with the spooks that are causing a bit of duress. Yeah. Those are your specialties. Yes. Why did you decide to write this book now? I think everything happens at the right time. We were in lockdown for over a year over here in England. COVID's done a lot of damage, but then I try and look at the bright side as well. It gave me the chance to write this book. I actually met my publisher through being, him being a client of mine. And he's been saying for a while, tell me a story and I'd tell him. And he'd be like, you could really write a book on this. And you know what? I've wanted to share my experiences for a couple of reasons. One, because I want to show people that there's nothing to be afraid of. You're not crazy. And two, I wanted to kind of prove to myself in a way that now I'm not scared to show that I experienced these things. You know, I'm not afraid now. You know, every medium that does readings has got those people who go, oh, you're just making this up. By me pushing this book out there, it's saying, I don't give a shit what you're saying because this is what I experienced, like it or not. Believe me or not, it's not my job to change people's opinions it's my job just to be honest to myself and we're at the time of life now the time of the world now where people need to be able to see things and say well that's similar to what i've done this guy's talking the truth to me and i want people to find guidance in the words in my book do you still visit that house i wish i did I drive by it on the way to the school room for my kids because they know I've written a book as well and, and they all know that daddy talks to ghosts. And my oldest daughter, sorry, she's eight in about a week and she wants me to read the book to her. And I said, well, it's probably not the best thing to do right now. And uh, she was like, can you show me the house? And we drove by the house and I showed her. And she went, has that got ghosts in it? And I went, yeah, that's got ghosts in it. If I could get into it, I would. 100%. If it came up for sale, I would go and see it just to get inside. Is somebody living in it now? The, yes. Do they seem unapproachable? or? I've only seen them about twice. And I don't know, I, I kind of feel a bit weird sort of going up to them or waiting outside their house saying, oh, wow, I've wrote this book <laughs> about that house, your house. I don't want to knock on their door if it's going to stir things up. A friend of mine lives in the old Undertaker's house, actually, pretty much opposite to the house that I lived in. 
And uh, I keep saying I need to put a post-it note inside a copy of the book and post it through. I'd be there. And I, I would film it. I really would. I'd get all of the gear. I'd be there in a heartbeat. Um, there's a part in the book where I, I talk about um, a spirit I called the Laughing Man, who was at my grandma's house. And basically, long and short of it, I uh, went over to my grandma's for Christmas and her house is massive. It's four bedroom house, stained glass windows. It's a real kind of old house, got an acre of land at the back. And I woke up one morning like in the middle of the night and there was this man standing on the landing, just laughing, just looking at me and laughing and it freaked the shit out of me. I'll tell you that. But um, the point of the story is we did a live investigation at that house not so long back, actually. We didn't catch him, but um, we caught a few little bits. Uh, we sat in a room in Stratford-upon-Avon for about four hours, all of us just drumming up energy around a seance table. And we were getting orbs, we were getting weird mists, you know. But that's a focused event, and that's the kind of thing that I want to film. I know in a couple of weeks, we're having a, a focused seance to try and connect with my friend's dad. We're going to be doing something kind of along those lines with that. I think that would be pretty good to see. Yeah. I'm just waiting for like the next wave of technology and paranormal yeah. to squish together and so we yeah. can finally see some stuff on video. Some of the equipment that you get is, I don't know how I feel about it, to be quite fair. You, have you seen the Stickman cameras you get now? Yeah. The SLS they're... cameras. My tech guy, Paul, he's got one and uh, they can be really good. We did an event possibly a year or so ago, just before COVID, and we were in this person's house, went into the bathroom. There was nothing in the bathroom apart from the bath, the toilet, the sink, etc. But this camera had picked up the shape of somebody hanging from the ceiling. And I'm sort of thinking, what? You know, is that, is, what is that? You know, so I'm kind of skeptical a little bit. I, um, I was at Draco Tunnels and, and this guy, John, had one of those. I wasn't aware of what it was. To be quite, it was one of the first times I'd seen one. And um, I was telling him about this person who was walking up and down this corridor. He looked like a doctor. He was wearing a suit, but he was getting agitated and he was just pacing up and down this corridor. And he was like, oh, well, that's weird. So I went up to him and he, he'd got this tablet screen and this like rig and we'll look at that. And we saw this thing just standing there doing this, just this stick man. And I went, what's that then? And he told me. And I went, all right then. Okay, okay. I don't, I'm not quite sure. I says, go on there. If that's real spirit, wave. And it just went. Wow. It just waved. I was like, oh, I like that. But again, I think everything can be manipulated, you know? I know. That's the thing. At the same speed with which the technology progresses is yeah. the same speed in which hackers and Photoshop experts can make yeah. things look real. So it's kind of like a shit show. Yeah. You've seen the K2 meters, haven't you? They're like the little gray things with the little lights along the top. Yeah. They can be faked with oh, really? a mobile phone. They could be faked with a garage remote key. Mm. You know, if you, you literally just point it and it will light the lights so up. I'm really skeptical about them. You know, if I'm doing a private investigation, if I'm going to somebody's house, I'll use one because I know for a fact I've not got anything common. You know, I'm not going to be going, oh, look at this, it's going to red, looks ghosts. I'm not like that. <laughs> if there's a spike and there's nothing there, then I'll question it. 
you know, they can be useful, but again, like I said, they can be rigged. People can tamper with them and make them say things that they're not. And that's morally wrong because you're pissing around with someone's belief there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. These apps, I don't have one on my phone. I don't because I'd rather work with my head and, and what I feel. But I was there to say once, and this woman was showing off, oh, well, I've just got this, this app and it lets spirit talk to you. I went, okay, show me about it. So we were in this room and it was me, her and her friend. And I said, okay, then are you here? It went, yes. I went, oh, cool, cool, brilliant. It sort of says it is stupid. Yes, like this. I said, okay, what's your name? It went, Pencil. So it's like... Okay. Oh, hello, pencil. Yes. <laughs> I I think it's more coincidence than anything else. I really yeah. do. I, I wanted to ask you about the tools that you would recommend because I know people watch the shows and they're like, ah, should I get this? Should I get this? And sometimes yeah. people say those ghost boxes, they're not legit. And what's your best tool besides your body and your mind and your feelings? You've got different types. You've got the types where it's physical things, you know. You've got what you call a REM pod, which is basically a little box with an aerial and sensors on it. And if you touch the aerial or if something touches the aerial, it, it buzzes. Something like that is pretty good, you know, just because sometimes they can go off. You get trigger objects that make sounds if you go near him or like a, a beam energy type thing, like a beam, if you cross through it, it goes off. Something like that is good, but also something silly and simple like dowsing rods or a pendulum something that you can hold in your hands use your psychic ability use your energy and allow spirit to interact with that because that way you've got the best of both worlds you've got your scientific stuff you get your rem pods and your k2 meters but then you've also got the spiritual side you've got the pendulums your dowsing rods i'd always tell people to take a spirit board or a ouija board and a glass because doing glass turning on a table is pretty good put your finger on a glass and you ask it to move and it does you know that's one of the most fascinating things to watch, to be quite fair. Mm. How does it go? You put the glass upside down? Yeah, you on... put the glass upside down on a table and everybody puts their finger on it lightly and you say, okay, spirit, if you're there, can you move the glass? And it does. But again, you have to trust who you're working with because somebody yeah. could easily just push it. And you can always tell the type because their fingers, they're pushed down so hard on the glass that under the nails go white. Mm-hmm. Or what I used to do, I shouldn't say it, but what I used to do when somebody was pushing is I'd put my finger hard on the glass and you'd see their finger just go off the glass because they were pulling it. Normally that's what I'd have done to stop somebody because I'd always look at them because I'd know what they were doing. What about just a regular old recorder? Yeah, yeah, you can just a record for EVPs. Again, that's more for a proper investigation rather than a public event. If you're going on a public event and you're going with some friends around on some like alone time or something, yeah, get a recorder because often it'll be recorded on there that you won't hear. Do you have a quick tip that you could give the listeners to protect themselves? Well, some groups will do a protection prayer in they'll sprinkle holy water and all this sort of stuff but i have the same job but i don't do the prayers i'll go along with my little bits and bobs a lot of it is the belief in yourself if you believe that you are protected if you get yourself in the mindset that the spirit can't hurt you your mind puts up a block and that pushes that away so trust yourself and make sure that you know what you're doing don't go into anything full-heartedly and end up out of your depth you know i'd also if possible and what i think would have been a lot easier for me when i was younger have Having somebody beside you, having somebody there who is on the journey with you is Mm. always good, especially when you start out, you know, because then you can talk about the insecurities you're having about it. You can talk about the things that scare you. And once they're voiced, they're not as scary. Right. You know, so my advice, read a lot, experience 
other people's journeys look at different ways of doing things because there's a million different ways of meditation but each claiming this meditation is brilliant for this this is better than that one meditation is something so personal i think and i don't know about what your experience meditation is but i could meditate to iron maiden i i, I could because really? it's personal to everyone yeah if you do meditation to a song or to a band and you're in that altered state that meditation gives you you will pick up on words and phrases in those songs that will fit into your life and give you that push or give you that reassurance and make you all of a sudden think, wow, that's significant there. Have you ever been listening to the radio, for example, and just all of a sudden you could be in a shitty mood or you could be questioning what you should be doing and something comes on and you think, wow, hold on, that's quite relevant to me, you know? Yeah. Or you see something in the paper and all of a sudden, boom, in my opinion, that's spirit helping you that's spirit guidance that's them drawing your attention to those certain parts so again my advice is don't just stick to the bounds that people say you have to because everyone is different you can protect yourself in different ways and i always wear something silver because it's one of your best kind of protections against demonic energy and that sort of thing so i always have my necklace and i have my ring which is silver but it's the same way people wear a cross, you know, people wear a pentagram. It's different strokes for different folks. I have a pentagram above the front door here, and that keeps the place neutral. If something negative and nasty wants to get through, you'll know about it. Well, I, I usually end these sessions with the same question, which is what is the most profound spiritual, paranormal, woo experience you've ever had? But you've told me so many. I feel like we've hit the scariest ones, the weirdest ones. I think I've probably told you some of the scariest ones to be fair. I mean, I just think that the fear is kind of in the beholder. Really. It's like this black eyed girl that I saw. I think that wouldn't have scared somebody as much as it scared me. You know, it's probably not going to be the last ones to be fair. You know, oh, okay. I've got one actually. I've got one. Ooh. Not scarier, but scary. I write about the ruins of my new book, which is an old priory. And it goes along, there's a country road goes all the way around this priory and you can sort of see the ruins if the moon's bright and whatnot. But there's a stone bus stop on the opposite side facing the ruins and there's stories of bus drivers pulling up and letting this lady on board and they'll drive off and then she'll vanish. Okay, so they call her the grey lady. Now, I was driving down this road in my friend's car, actually, and we sort of slowed down a little bit just to see if we could see anything in the ruins, you know, just sort of slowed down on the, on the way around. And it went cold in the car and I sort of looked at her and she looked at me, we looked in the back seat and there was just this white shadow in the back seat. And she swerved because she was driving. I screamed because I thought she was going to kill us both. And we looked <laughs> at the back seat and this, this shadow had gone. But yeah, that was a woo moment. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's the seeing that really gets to me. I've never seen a ghost yeah. full on. It's different, you know, and people often ask me on events and, and when doing one-to-ones, you know, doesn't it scare you, you know, if you see something? I can tell you one thing, when I see something physically, I shit myself, you know, <laughs> honestly, your natural human instinct is that shouldn't be there. What the fuck <laughs> is happening? You know, have you heard of Alton Towers? Mm-mm. It's a big theme park in the UK and there's like a big castle in the middle of it as well. Big ruined castle. And I did a paranormal event there. 60 guests. The place is huge. And I was floating between the groups at night. I was working with everybody. And there's a wooden staircase in there. 
and I was walking down this wooden staircase, hearing thumping coming down the stairs behind me. I thought, crap, what is that? And I thought to myself, right, okay, I'm working. This is a public event. Calm down. I sort of got to the bottom of the stairs. I was like, breathe. And I just heard somebody whisper, die, in my ears. And I just went, straight away and ran straight into a group of guests and they pissed themselves laughing at me <laughs> you know, but honestly I don't hide the fact that I get scared sometimes on events because it's part of the fun it really is imagine if you saw a child that was dressed in clothes that were not from this time period and they looked up at you and they had big black eyes, no pupils, no iris, no white, just black nothingness in their eyes. And they gave you a big creepy smile. What would you do? Would you run? Would you fight the thing? Those people are the most interesting to me. They're like, oh, I'm going to go right up to that thing and play with it or try to punch it in the face or something. Do you believe that black eyed children are real. Some people believe that Slenderman and Bigfoot and Flannel Man and Black-Eyed Children, of course, that they're sort of just manifestations of many, many people's thoughts believing these things and therefore manifesting them in their field of vision, which is complicated anyways. If you know anything about quantum physics, which I don't, but I do know at the very least, the closer you get to the thing that you call, quote, reality, the less it feels like reality. What is real? I mean, there could be all kinds of stuff happening, but because we don't have a frame of reference for it, we can't see it. But some people can. People like Andy, people like my last guest, Christy. There are people who are able to see things that we're unable to see yet. I loved chatting with Andy, and I'm serious about possibly turning his remarkable story into something visual. So stay with us, loyal listeners. We're cooking up all kinds of stuff. Remember, if you love this podcast and you want to support the work I'm up to with so many amazing humans, really, there's so much potential here. You can support us at patreon.com slash follow the woo. The lowest tier is $3.33 a month, and that gets you access to extra video and audio content and all kinds of other good stuff. I've been MIA due to a major surgery, so it's taken a second to get Patreon moving, but in a few weeks, there will be a rapid-fire launch of a bunch of new goodies all at once, which includes things like bonus episodes, blogs, ritual ebooks, and a simple pranayama instruction video. Also, Andy's books are available to purchase on Amazon.com. You can check out his author website at paranormalchaser.com and follow what he's up to on his Facebook page, facebook.com slash thehauntingonparkroad. There, you can contact Andy about tarot or psychic medium readings, and per usual, those links will be available to you in the show notes for this episode. If you have any questions about a paranormal experience or you want to share your own haunting experiences, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. I would absolutely love to hear about them. Goddess speed to you all, and to all a good night. Okay, bye! Thank you for following the Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow the Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. 
You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, 